0: Welcome to Fret Buzz the Podcast, my name is Joe McMurray And I am Aaron Sefczyk. And today we have an amazing guitarist, Quist, is calling in from Los Angeles Although he's from the Netherlands, uh, not only is he an incredible guitarist, he's become a YouTube sensation for his jam tracks and his instrumental versions of popular songs. And recently he recorded and toured with Brian Ferry of Roxy Music, who was, was recently inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So welcome, Quist. Thank you so much. Yeah, That was a lot. Yeah. 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 Welcome to the show, man. It's awesome. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, we're really excited to have you. We actually um, got your information originally from Jens Larson, who a yeah. lot of people have probably heard of. Um, checked out your stuff, and I was I was blown away. I think I saw the Bruno Mars uh, video that you did. Oh, you're right, playing yeah. your ES three thirty five, and you're just ripping on it.
1: That's fun track. Yeah, I had, I, that was a, that was a fun track. That's that's uh, yeah. I don't do those kinds of videos that much, but but uh, you know, like when a when a fun track comes around, and I'm like, I gotta do something on that then uh you know i'm like okay let's let's do that and then that that one's popped out a little bit uh because
0: i guess some people you know enjoy it or whatever i think that you looked like you were enjoying it so much while you were recording it that it's infectious
1: yeah so yeah i saw that in the comments more than once and i was like oh okay i guess uh i mean that's that's an old truth as a performer isn't it like that you know you if If they can see that you're enjoying it, they're most likely going to enjoy it as well. yeah uh, but uh, but I guess that was that was true in that case yeah.
0: De- it definitely worked. Yeah. caught my interest in the first you know <clears throat> fifteen seconds or so, and I was hooked. So <laughs> yeah, we're glad to have you and uh you know both Aaron and I are guitarists first and foremost, first and foremost, so we're li- glad to have somebody that we can talk about you know guitar specific things with today and we like to have a broad range of you know experts from different musical fields and sometimes i feel like i'm in in class like learning from someone about building <laughs> guitars or building you know anything yeah. guitar pedals um
1: that's that's awesome that's the awesome thing about the the podcast as well isn't it because you can you can dig deep
0: yeah, yeah exactly absolutely yeah yes and it's yeah, great so- if you're out walking the dog or driving to work, you can learn something and better yourself while you're, you know, multitasking.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm actually kind of slow to the party because, but I, it's only in the last year that I've really let the podcast into my life. And now I'm like, anytime there's any, you know, housework or uh, traveling or whatever, I'm right there learning about something or listening to somebody making yeah. me smile. Yeah. It's podcasting
2: awesome. is uh it's growing like uh wildfire right now
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and for for a good reason it's uh it's a it's a great thing and like compared to so much other uh entertainment it's uh i mean i'm sure there's lots of different podcasts but it seems meaningful many podcasts seem like a meaningful way to spend your time so uh, you know that's what i like about many of the podcasts that i listen to you feel like you've you've not just wasted two hours you know you've actually right. uh gotten something in that uh might give you some perspective for the future so yeah well done to you guys i, I listened to uh, some of your podcasts as well obviously um oh thank you it's really really cool really awesome. um really good thing you got going
0: i really look forward to every every time we do this i i feel like i it's one thing to listen to to a podcast but to actually be involved in the in the conversation and asking questions i get to hang out with these cool people and (laughs) ask them whatever i want it's like what more could you want yeah sunday afternoon
2: (laughs) so i'm curious uh where where did your journey start and how did you get into audio um
1: when you say audio aaron yes what, what do you mean audio like uh into make music or
2: Okay, you're, what? let's even go further back than that, yeah. maybe uh, yeah. your first musical instrument and then, because usually what I'm finding is through all our guests uh, mm-hmm. is it does start with some kind of musical interest somewhere along the way, and then just beyond that, they usually realize that audio plays a huge role in their life as well. Well,
1: uh, music's been kind of a big part of my life and the whole the whole time from kind of various angles mm-hmm. um but uh i mean the guitar was the first thing that uh, that got me hooked and and it's like it's been my main thing the the whole time as well yeah um and that was my dad actually he had a he had like a beat up acoustic guitar that he was he was really good at the um, he can still kind of pull it off the the Bob Dylan kind of finger picking kind of stuff. Uh, And so he was doing that. And I was like, what's that? Um, uh, And so that that guitar was accessible to me. uh, And and I sort of started, you know, to uh, to learn and and dig into that uh, when I was about six. So that was the first like musical instrument and like the first entry into that kind of kind of world. And then at the same time, I was doing performing. Uh, I I started a, as a ballet dancer. Uh, wow. I I, I kind of got hooked on the performing aspect of music pretty early on because I, my sister was at the Royal Ballet of Denmark, and I sort of, you know, saw that from the sideline, and I was like, maybe that's what, maybe that's something I want to try. And then I tried to get in, and I got in, and then. Uh, pretty quickly started to like tour and stuff and uh, like I danced at the Mets, you know, in in uh, in um New York, you know, the Metropolitan and like yeah. some pretty big places and and got a taste for the old uh being on stage and and that was, you know, when I was before I was like ten years old. So so I kinda of been hooked on the performing aspect of music since then. Um and obviously in ballet it's all about music as well and, you know, there's, there's so all the, the music like from like Tchaikovsky and like all these classical composers that got ingrained in, in my sort of uh, life pretty pretty early on so I guess that's um, I don't know if, does that answer any of your question? Oh yes,
2: absolutely. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> a, a really good foundation is, in terms of where you've come from. That, that's great. Uh, and then where did like so how did it begin to blossom?
1: Well, when I was about uh, t- 12 or 13 i i'd been learning guitar f- since i was like six or whatever but but then uh, at that point i decided to dump the whole the ballet thing and then uh just become uh, just uh because i'd never gone to like a normal school so i uh, uh took leave from the from the from the ballet world and then sort of um uh just dug into playing guitar like i became just a total guitar nerd when i was like about 13 and 14 15 16 I, you know I, I had like a i had a little uh stopwatch, the one that i had it sitting on my bike but then i could take it off and and carry it with me and i used to play a minimum of of six hours every day but usually eight or nine hours yeah, and, and i just like forced myself to, to to like keep that minimum effort on a daily basis yep. so i was I just was a real nerd but obviously there was some blossoming during that period in terms of capabilities you know and um
2: just I, just you know, qu- quickly ask you what what guitar were you playing and what amp were you playing <laughs>
1: uh I was playing um well first I was playing like a really sh- uh Roland um uh I don't remember the mi- I mean it was it was, yeah, yeah you know not not a great amp uh, <laughs> and then and then i got a jcm uh, 800 stack uh, actually uh that uh, when when it started when it started to rock a little and yeah, yeah. um uh, and that was fun but yeah my first guitar was um it was a fender type uh it's called fender navigator oh, um a na- sorry esp navigator it was made by esp in japan okay and uh it was a uh, it was actually a really good guitar and i lost it when i was Oh, uh, I, I like got junk after a session in a studio in London one time and somebody nicked, nicked it or stole it, you know, so that was an omen to not do that kind of thing, Bad. Uh, but so I lost it and like scoured eBay for years after that, but I never found it. Um, but anyways, that was my first guitar. And then the one that I did all the, sh- the sh- shedding on or shredding, if you like, was uh, a Hamer chaparral from the, from the States here, like a hand built Hamer, which I was like, when I bought that one, uh, with money I'd saved up from like ballet, uh, stuff. Uh, I was like, okay, this is the greatest thing ever. Uh, <laughs> like Floyd Rose, just, you know, um, yeah, yeah, uh, all, all the good stuff. So I, I was in heaven and uh, I still have that one. I sanded it down to like a wooden finish cause it was like turquoise. It was pretty much this color actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, uh, I, uh, I got tired of that after a little while, and then sanded it down in a in an in an attempt to be able to use that in like common or in like in now time basically uh, yeah, yeah. with some of the stuff that I do. But then I I got away from it because um, it's yeah I, I I rarely
0: need stuff
1: that kind of shreds as hard as as a hammer chaparral
0: So yeah that's awesome i love that you were practicing for six six hours minimum is impressive for especially for like a 13 year old but um what were yeah. you practicing in that time period did you have like a a method uh, um like were you breaking your time into different aspects of music were you just yeah pl- learning songs were you working on technique or music theory or anything? Uh, yeah particular? i definitely
1: broke it into like different things um and also, just to go back and to what to what you were saying about uh, uh, it being impressive about the six hours and stuff, I the, that's one thing about the ballet world. The 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 discipline is like insane. Mm-hmm. What you get exposed to in terms of workload as a ballet dancer is pretty pretty insane. So uh, I'll, I'll give it up to any ballet dancer from that perspective. So I took a little bit of that with me in 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 terms of like being a slave driver. Like I just really. Uh, that kind of work, work ethic with me, but um, I, I did like a combination of uh, you know, practicing scales obviously and learning solos. I did a lot of um, learning stuff from records, like literally records like vinyl. Uh, I remember you know, dropping the needle in the same place again and again, and, uh, that kind of thing. I, I you know, ruined a few few vinyl records that we just like trying to learn you know <laughs> Ingwe Malmstein or whatever just listening again and again and i think uh i mean tabs were already starting to come out uh, obviously a-, a lot but i kind of stayed away from that for a while actually i cuz i th- kind of felt that there was a uh some value in learning it by ear and stuff like that so i i am um, i definitely learned a lot of stuff from by ear, uh, I and that stuff is kind of time-consuming, but I felt like it was time well spent, and I still feel like for anybody who's learning music and guitar, it's like you know, learning anything by ear is super helpful because you, you're you're like honing so many skills at the same time. Like it's not just learning somebody's musical ideas; it's also developing your own ear and like overall understanding of stuff. So, uh, so yeah, I, I did that, and and I, and to be honest, like I started doing the jam tracks thing, like. Really early on, uh, like, because I made my, I made my own jam tracks. Like, um, I would say, like, okay, so we have Ionian mode, we have Dorian mode, we have Phrygian mode. Like, I I lined all the modes up, and I said, okay, how how can I make a progression? That because I was, you know, reading up on music theory and and stuff like that from various whatever sources I could find, like guitar magazines and whatever. And so I would uh, line up like jam tracks, and I would play it, uh, play just, like, really rough into, like, a, um, I don't know what they're called, boombox, or, like, a, you know, just, like, really crude recording situation, and I would just play, like, five minutes with a metronome and a rhythm guitar, and then I would rewind and just solo on top of each mode like that, so I would record, like, a mode-specific progression on rhythm guitar with a metronome, and then rewind and just play, rewind, play, rewind, play at libitum, just uh, getting to know the the modes that way, and and that was that was kind of the foundation for what became my youtube channel like um it goes way back to me as a teenager like uh learning the modes that way i kind of because i kind of wanted to share that with uh the you know with other people because i thought it was a pretty great way to practice and that was the the first things that 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 became um big tracks on my youtube channel like those jam tracks so uh, so it was quite a full circle kind of situation
0: so with these uh, these jam tracks for each mode, so say we're in you know talking about the parent key of C major, mm. like what what types of progressions, you know, for the folks out there that are are interested in modes, because I feel like every every lead guitarist goes through a period where they like discover that modes exist, and it's like not all just pentatonic boxes, and it's like oh I can right make all these cool sounds. So like yeah, if somebody wanted to loop their own you know their own jam tracks on their looping pedal what would you yeah something so simple like, to suggest so like
1: it, it, in a major key for example it's like it's to the, the key is to like take each chord that you have and say like uh oh, let me start a different way the the trick is to make a progression that contains all of the notes of the mode so cuz if you do that you and nothing but those uh, if you do that, then you know it, it'll sound right when you're playing the mode and it'll sound wrong when you're not you know uh, that that's that's kind of the the, the really basic uh, way uh, so like in a major scale, you know if you play the one chord, the four chord, and the five chord, you've now stated so to speak, all of the notes of the major scale so so the trick is to find progressions that that kind of cover cover all the if not all the notes then like all the keynotes so even a you know even a one and a four chord uh if you play a major chord a a c major to an f major you know naturally you're gonna want to play um a c major scale even though in those two chords you're missing you're missing you're missing a b natural so, but um, you you probably want to play a major scale anyway. But but you you could also play a mixolydian if you wanted to. But like, say you wanted to do a mixolydian progression, if you had C major and you played a B flat major, it's kind of like you're stating you're stating all the very obvious notes in a mixolydian progression. Um, so um. So yeah, that's that's the trick, you know, to make progressions that that contain the the like key notes and that make it like sound very much within that mode, so that you are like okay, you can hear when you're oh, stepping out of the mode, and you can hear when it's when it's just right. Um, it's to do with like the one four five chords. So when I said you know B flat or go, oh, C going to go into a B flat, it's mm-hmm. like well C Mixolydian. If you look at the parent key of C Mixolydian. Mixed linear is the fifth mode, so uh, so the parent key would be F, because if you you know F major, if you walk up an F major scale, the fifth note you're going to get is C. So mm-hmm. that would be so C Mixolydian stems from F major, and if you think what's the four and then what's the five chord of of uh, F major, well it's it's B flat and C. So so by playing those two and being in C Mixolydian, you, you know it's you're covering most of the most of the bases. So it's really, you know, if you seek out the the four and the five chord of the parent key of whatever mode you're, you're trying to play in, then um, you will have covered in many cases, a lot of the ground.
0: That's awesome. I, I love getting into that kind of stuff. And I think as a lead guitarist, knowing how to approach a certain chord progression is half the battle. I mean, it's as important and more important than what your fingers can actually do technically yeah. You know, if you look at a song, I, I love starting with my students with the blues right. because you just have so many options and you have a lot of time over each chord. It's so yeah. like while you're playing over that one chord, like, you know, say you're playing the blues in C, you can play the C major pentatonic, the C mixolydian scale. Um, You have a lot of options or you can get that, you know, you can have them play C minor pentatonic or throw in the flat five to get that bluesy sound. Yeah. Um, but then, when you go to the four chord, you really have to—you can't—because of the F dominant seven has the E flat in it. Mm-hmm. You definitely don't want them to play the C major or mixolydian scale because that E natural sounds horrible. Yeah. Um. So you know, you can have somebody playing a really slow solo and just play the right notes, and it's and it's very effective. Um. I think knowing your modes gives you a lot of opportunities to make interesting sounds. Yeah. Like, very colorful. Yeah, sounds.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um it's, it's when it's also kind of knowing when to when to think modally and when to think otherwise cuz like you say with the blues sometimes you can play you know, you can you can play the the minor pentatonic when it's maybe technically not right or whatever, uh, but it still sounds great. And like so I think the thing with modes is to know when to when to go down that road and when to think in a different way that's more to do with overall vibe like um maybe i think maybe the modes get a bad rep sometimes because cause, i don't know pe- some people maybe just think of them as kind of uh you know it's a, a very specific vibe and like a and something like shreddy maybe uh I, do, do you know what i mean like it um yeah it's yes, Shreddy. <laughs> well it depends on how you approach them
2: it's That's true it's the artist behind the mode and what they're doing with it um, yeah obviously just different genres treat them different ways um, but just knowing your modes and the importance of them just you know I always tell my students when when I bring up the concept of modes something like the Simpsons theme song yeah. and something like Jaws and how that mode creates a specific emotion and yes. feel it's yeah. not just sad and ha- and happy it there's more to it because there's varying versions of sad and happy
0: it's like a grayscale
2: yeah. yeah so modes really are a way for as a as a composer would kind of be able to take the listener on a journey through emotions and that's yeah. kind of how you look at modes and modes aren't like strict you can bend them a little bit and and like you were kind of saying is the overall emotion the overall kind of feel of what's going on within the piece and being able to say okay a mode would be appropriate here but then knowing all at the same time to be able to go outside of the lines a little bit and play a little bit and make it a little bit more colorful
1: yeah yeah totally um i couldn't agree with you more like it it's the modes are amazing for being able to conjure up like certain emotions on command like that you know if you know your modes like as a not as a soloist so much but as or, i mean also as a soloist but like as some as somebody who makes music or somebody who composes or has to you know or wants to create a certain emotion at any time like the modes are like amazing for that because they they uh they they can they can just on command create a certain type of vibe and a certain type of emotion so yeah
0: I, I always immediately have when i'm going through this with my students for the first time i will put on satriani's joe satriani's flying in a blue dream to explain the lydian get them to hear the sound of the lydian mode and the, everyone's like that is such a cool sound I'm like <laughs> yeah. isn't it it's like one of my favorite sounds yeah 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 <laughs> so he's uh so good he's uh he's he's pretty famous for that one yeah he,
1: uh, he, he's done well in terms of I mean that's well him him and and Vi I guess uh, yeah um they they've done well and uh, I guess uh, Zappa is another one that gets mentioned. Oh my gosh! Uh, in that uh, yeah in that context, Th- those three is always you know I've put out a f- you know quite a few Lydian mode jams. Um, I uh, just recently actually I put out a tab of a solo that I did on a Lydian mode jam because it was getting popular. So I thought, okay, I'm going to put that up. But like, uh, you know, it's, it's fun to see how like those three are the main people that anybody will associate when when, whenever you put anything out that's to do with anything Lydian people are, uh, it's either Satriani, um, Vi or Zappa that gets the, gets the mention. um, Because they've just like owned those, uh, those sounds to many people anyway. At least in the rock world. You know? Yeah. No, yeah, of course. Yeah, there's a, there's a whole other aspect. But yeah, in, in, in the rock world, they're uh, kings of Lydian.
0: Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, back to your back to your shredding shedding for six to nine hours a day as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, so when did you decide that you wanted to go to music school? And then what did you go to music school for and where? And tell okay, us yeah. all about it.
1: Uh, yeah well um uh, when I was sixteen I was going to go I wanted to go to a musicians' institute in Los Angeles because uh, it seemed like the right thing because I was kind of a shredder and you know uh, was, was reading the kind of guitar magazines that they would run ads in and and whatnot um, so uh, I was going to do that but I then decided to finish uh, high school in denmark which runs until you're like 19. so uh i decided to do that first and then in the meantime after i finished high school uh i found out that there was a musician musicians institute in london uh, in the uk um and so i was like hmm, it, well Maybe I'll actually try that one. It was a, it was a little closer, and I was moving away from my, you know, out of my parents' place and whatnot. So I was like, maybe I'll, maybe I'll, maybe I'll move to London. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that's what I did, and um, went there for a year and then it changed his name and owners and like somebody ran away with a lot of money and it was pretty, uh, it was a pretty messy, uh, school. <laughs> some, some stuff happened. Yeah. <laughs> gone, you know, man. you, I don't know, you know, you've probably been in the context of music schools and not, not always is everything uh, as, uh, organized as it seems to the students. <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah. So some stuff happened and, and, um, and then one of the teachers was a teacher at the um, Royal Academy of Music uh, in London uh, who, ha- they have a, a, a jazz course. Um, one of the, the most uh, r- famous recent uh, students of which is Jacob Collier, the guy that just won, he won, won two Grammys for his uh, arrangements. Uh, yeah, he's amazing. He's, he's pretty cool too, but he, he, he went to that course. So that was the same course that this this um teacher um who actually was literally uh he his whole vibe was the kind of arrangement uh madness that jacob collier is now known for um which is quite funny because he was literally that was his vibe he was always trying to make us do like the most outrageous you know Deep, like, oh, just really, you know, um, <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say, like, you know, just as many notes as you could possibly cram into a, a melody, and uh, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was interesting. His name uh, is Ed Spate, uh, really amazing um, dude. He was a guitarist. So anyway, he he suggested that I uh, try and get into that to, um, to Royal Academy of music for the jazz course, and 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 I didn't have a lot of money but they gave me a, a like a scholarship and stuff so I was able to, to do that and then I did that for, uh, for four years um, but uh, but yeah I, I kind of nearly stopped doing it actually halfway through because I I made a record the first record I made was with Sony Music in Denmark uh, I got signed with a project there and was like a MD on a on this project and it uh, went pretty well and we worked with one of the biggest uh, like rock producers in Denmark so i kind of got a taste for something else than jazz uh like pretty much almost as soon as i started that course so i was kind of like veered off in a different direction straight away but i i decided to finish it after all uh even though like i said i nearly dropped out halfway through and then yeah after four years i'd sort of made you know some uh some network and stuff in London, so I just kind of uh, stayed on there, you know, and uh, and and um, worked on a lot of music, and uh, and then um, a little further line down the line, started doing doing a lot of touring, and then I started touring with some American artists, and then that's when somebody said, well, "You should come uh, to America," and and uh, you know, you might like it, and I was like, "Well, I was going to come to America when I was 16 years old," <laughs> so and uh, I sort of. Re- remember that uh, that was actually what I really wanted to do and I you know I I love British culture and like I've been you know in British culture for a long time and it feels in some ways I feel more British than I do Danish by now because I I had so many formative years in in Britain like my whole I never lived in Denmark as a young adult mm. like uh, you know on my own I moved away straight away to England so so I have a lot of passion for that culture but I I always thought that I might feel at home in American culture as a musician, like because of like what I've spent time doing and what I love and stuff like that. And I was not wrong. I love like being in America. And I've been here for like almost five years and I have no intention of leaving unless I get told to. (laughs) 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 So, uh, so it was pretty awesome uh, that it kind of worked out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you're in LA now, right?
1: I'm in LA. Yeah. I, I nearly, I mean, I, I nearly moved to, uh, to, uh, New York. Like I went to New York, you know, I mean, I've been to New York many times, but like I went, you know, and really I did all, went and jammed at all the jams, like all the jazzy jams and like really, you know, looked at it and thought, is you know, is this, uh, it's what I want to do. But having lived in London for a long time, I I kind of wanted to, I thought it would also be cool to have like a, like a proper lifestyle change so you know get a bit more sun and like uh yeah summer <laughs> summer vibes and like because you know london i mean they're obviously two amazing cities but london and new york are similar in the way that you you know you pay a lot of money for uh you know not a lot of real estate and like you and it's kind of you know dirty and 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 um in LA, you know, you you can cat There's a little more. You get exposed to a little more nature and a little more sun. And I was like, maybe, maybe, maybe I want to, maybe I want to do that.
2: Can uh, Can I ask you? Do you notice the difference between the music between the West Coast and the East Coast?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I I mean that, and that was part of my decision making as well. But like, I mean, as a jazzer. Mm. As somebody who you know, if or if you are somebody who is like a straight-up jazzer, you you haven't got much to do here in LA. You know, you you better you better off in in New York. I would say you know, there's a lot lot more of a scene for that kind of kind of thing. Um, as a session musician and like somebody, if you want to play with like major artists uh, and and stuff like that, I think uh, this is a pretty great place to be. Uh, la you know uh there's a there's a pretty there's a pretty strong session scene and and obviously if you are a rocker as well i mean la is 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 pretty amazing uh, i've met many great rockers uh, since coming here and like the, the la rock scene was kind of the first scene that i got uh i don't want to say accepted into but that that some of the doors opened to like i met some of the, the 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 sort of rock scene dudes and i invited them to come see me when like we were playing with Brian Ferry like i think in the first like 3 or 4 years of living there i played like th- a, a three shows with Brian Ferry the last one was at uh, the Hollywood Bowl um with the Hollywood Bowl orchestra and stuff so it was pretty uh pretty big and i was i think i played like 17 guitar solos or something it was it was a it was a good uh, uh, business card or whatever so I so I tried to I invited all these cats from the rock scene and and whatnot down to see me play on you know whenever I could for for those types of shows so that kind of I mean I know it sounds pretty calculating and whatnot but that opened a few doors you know in terms of meeting people and getting invited to things and whatnot Uh, so the rock scene is and I'm amazed at how, you know, it's it's like there's so many people that are, that are it's a very alive scene. It's a, yeah, it's, it's definitely happens, the, the rock scene still. There's like, there's this <clears throat> jam at the Whiskey A Go-Go that's been going for uh, quite a few years now. Um, where everybody like come and start their stuff every Tuesday. Uh,
0: um, that's cool yeah it's fun you know you just put your name on a list to get up and play
1: no it's like uh they they uh you have to kind of get invited or whatever like it's a little bit inclusive like in terms of they i mean you can if you they like to it's kind of oh i don't know how to say this in a good way but it's kind of like you know they you get on stage and they go oh this is such and such from this and that band and and i think that's part of the kick as well for for everybody that does it but also for the audience that they can see like the bass player of uh white snake jamming with the lead guitars of brian ferry or, or whatever do you know what i mean like so it's kind of uh so they 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 tend to kind of uh you know pick people that have some kind of credits to the name or whatever and uh so it's a little bit elitist like that maybe but i, I they also have you know other people up, up that are just you know uh talented and and uh and that sort of stuff so but yeah it's a very rock kind of scenario and i i have a you know i i kind of i do do a lot of more jazzy kind of stuff so i i don't feel 100 percent at home in that kind of context i have to be honest you know but i um but like i said that was like the first scene that i sort of uh entered when I uh, when I first came to LA and so I just rolled with it right. and uh,
0: and it's lovely but, yeah. do, do you find that like when you're hanging out with people are I mean are, are there a lot of people that are making it as full time musicians or most of your friends in the music world also working other jobs to get by um, Most of the people that
1: I work with are full-time musicians but I have I am starting to discover a pretty big number of musicians that are uh, yeah that that um, that have like other stuff like I was playing with this guy um, recently who's the drummer in a pretty big uh, rock band I don't want to mention it but um, but he's a he's a great drummer and like plays in a band that has a real name but he's like got this construction business (laughs) on the side where like, he's met all these people in the music business. And now he's like got this business where he make, builds people's houses on the side, you know, like, uh, because he knows all these people anyway from the music business. And, and um, so I'm like, Oh, okay. You're a, you're a contractor as well as a drummer. That's interesting. And I guess, you know, what, you know, I've seen that more and more actually over here where I, I guess that, you know, at some point, people get tired of, of you know a, a certain amount of struggle or whatever. If, if there's not enough like gigs or not enough, um, uh, like uh, you know, if it's too much up and down, it, that gets stressful over over uh, uh, an amount of years. You know, I can I can testify to that myself. You know, it's it's uh, that's a stressful situation. So if you can get rid of that stress by having some kind of Totally constant income source on the side. Then uh, I guess that's you know that's definitely something to think about for health and peace of mind. You know, uh, and and yeah. So I've, I've, I'm definitely uh, s- starting to realize that uh, that's the case for uh, for 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 quite a few musicians over here, and also some that you don't expect. Like a, like I say, where you're like, oh, that's like such and such who played with such and such, and uh, but he's like got a construction business. Okay, interesting. Sure. <laughs>
0: So I, I'm very much, I mean, I'm still relatively new being full-time. I think I've, I quit my job in 2014. Wow. So I've been full-time music since then. And I, I don't think at least at this point in my life, I couldn't, if I had another job, I wouldn't be able to make, I wouldn't be able to spend enough time practicing and preparing for different types of gigs as a musician Mm-hmm. And, like, even just preparing for my students' lessons, like, sometimes somebody wants to learn something that I need to spend some time on preparing or I need to, you know, oh, here's an offer to play this this gig where they want this type of music, you know. Yeah. They want St. Patrick's Day music, and we're going to pay you for that. So I need the time during the day
1: much preparation to prepare.
0: Time. Yeah. And if I didn't have that time, I wouldn't be able to take the gig. And it's just, like, it's all a snowball. If you're available... For- to take any gig that's thrown at you. Yeah. Then you can make and you have the time to prepare for those. You can make it, but at least in where I am.
1: Yeah. Where where are you guys?
0: Well, we're actually in different places. I'm, I'm in, in Virginia, Virginia Beach, Virginia.
1: Right.
2: And I'm in northern Virginia.
1: Right, right.
0: And I cool. used to live up in Northern Virginia, and that's how Aaron and I got to know each other. We were both working together. Right. And we had so a band. We had a band oh, called yeah? the Kairos Quintet. Yeah. The what? Sorry, the Kairos Quintet. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, we we played a bunch of original music. It was fun, but uh, yeah. So what?
1: Like K A I R O S?
0: Yes, I don't know that the. I think our website we let the domain die. It it's been a while now.
1: Yeah, it, you, I'm sure
2: you could search it. It's out there somewhere. Well, a, but but the thing either.
1: is, I I know of a Kairos, even uh, or e- either quintet or quartet uh, from f- but i felt like they were from england but uh, but am i it may have been you guys I, i've definitely seen that name before
0: in all likelihood it, due to our schedules so. it would be, be awesome if it was us
1: we wrote a lot of we wrote some
0: great music i think we wrote and recorded some great stuff but we didn't have the our lives were pulling in different directions like amongst the whole band and we weren't able to get out there and perform enough and tour and promote that music
2: yeah yeah we're
0: more of a recording for the sake of recording Dan and in, in quick uh, it was me taking advantage of
2: musicians that I knew were talented around me and put together a band real quick and um, write some original stuff that we may have had on our own or collaborate together and come together for a period of time and just have a lot of fun
0: really
1: awesome yeah. Yeah,
0: and he didn't take you didn't take advantage of us. You took a, advantage of the fact that we were there in order yeah. for us all to mutually benefit. Yes, it was not
2: like my vision and this is my band. It was more along the lines of let's let's do something
1: collaboratively and enjoy right. this as a whole. That was that was my vision. But that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I think that kind of scenario is literally medicine to me. Like you know, playing and and creating with other people is like. The best yeah. thing i can think of i'm getting goosebumps right now <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah i felt the <laughs> rush as well right there literally just thinking about that because it's like <laughs> it's the best freaking thing you know yeah, it's uh, it's literally medicine to me uh, it's
0: yeah it's especially powerful when you've written something and you're you're going into this collaboration with the open mind of like i'm going to take other people's suggestions and somebody throws some idea out there for your song that you never would have thought of like just from a totally different angle and you're like it's yeah. per- that's awesome yeah yeah. So, yeah 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 collaboration is uh sometimes it it can sometimes you can shy away from it because of complications with like songwriting who owns the rights to songs and everything and yeah you just don't want to have to deal with paying people and whatever but it's the finished product is often are superior yeah yeah and it kind of lends itself very nicely into this idea of improv like when you
2: are playing and being able to pass it off to the next guy and you have this kind of speak that's going on between the band that's it's very nice yeah. yeah
1: absolutely do you seek that out sometimes uh, at present or is it um, how do you feel about now
2: good in, yeah. in terms
1: of putting a band together uh, yeah, or in terms of putting yourself in that situation, however you can, like of sometimes, you know, or even just playing with people, creating, cre- you know, not ne- not necessarily creating, but like, uh, uh, be yeah, being creative, playing with people. Oh my
2: gosh, yes. I mean, not. I'll, I'll say it, to be quite honest with you, uh, not so much anymore because I've recently had children. Not recently, mm-hmm. but my oldest is five years old, so they kind of took over, and I yep. was of the mindset, okay, I'm going to be with my kids for the first couple of years and just raise them right. Um, uh, But yeah, um, previous to this very much. So um, anytime there was an opportunity throughout my entire life that I had a chance to be able to play with somebody and create um, something out of nothing. uh, That was, that was always me as a kid. Like you were talking before about how you were 13 years old and playing for six, eight hours a day. I'm, I'm, right there with you i'm connecting with you the entire time Um, that was me as a young kid going to all the record stores and all the music stores and putting up those pieces of paper and take a ticket and call me because i want to play with you and i would just do that all the time because it wasn't like i just enjoyed playing with as many people as i could get play with I liked that collaboration I liked these the the prospect of actually creating a band and and rocking out that was that was very much me I mean you're talking about the the magazines and oh yeah that's just that yeah very much
1: That's that's awesome
0: and so I'm in a very weird spot in my life now I I was when I was in Northern Virginia and when I was in studying music at George Mason at one point for a lot of a lot of that period i was in three bands doing mostly original music and all of them and playing all these gigs that were incredibly fun but not profitable at all right um i mean really losing money on overall you know by the time you play a gig where you might if the band's getting paid you know a couple hundred bucks and you've got four of you Mm. that's 50 bucks each but then like one of my bands, we—I think a couple actually—we'd take fifty percent of the band earnings would go to the band account to pay for studio stuff, equipment, maintenance, whatever. So maybe you're taking them twenty-five, but then maybe you had a beer and like you. So maybe you brought home twenty bucks, but you had to pay for parking, and you also rehearsed one night that week for that, and your entire evening that night. So like, like ten hours of effort, and you made twenty bucks. It just wasn't yeah. profitable. Yep. So when I came to Virginia Beach, I I was looking for bands because I thought that's what I was supposed to do, and I started making money playing solo. And I've had a hard time, like I want, I miss the band connections and that excitement. Mm-hmm. But I've only played with bands a couple times here when I've been like paid to play, like come sit in with us. We need a guitarist for the night. We'll pay you. Just mm-hmm. show you know, learn the songs, show up and play kind of thing it's just it's hard to imagine spending I just I can't make enough money doing it right now unless you made that your thing and you played the big like at least around here like if you're in a big local cover band or tribute band playing big I think it depends on your locale you're in Virginia Beach now if you were in
2: LA (laughs) with a playing with a band I think it'd be a little just a little bit of a different story
0: but so do you. Yep. So Virginia Beach is very much a get paid to play location. You know, Right. there's just built-in crowd. I mean, last sh- on Thursday for Fourth of July, I, I was playing on on the oceanfront street, and like there were tens of thousands of people walking around, and I was, you know, on this little tiny stage, like, you know, playing my heart out. But that's awesome in other we've had a lot of guests who have been in scenes like new york or nashville and other places where the circumstances are the opposite where there's lots of musicians and not so much of a built-in crowd then it is la the type of place where as a musician you can just like go and bars will pay you to clubs will pay you to play or is it based on ticket sales um
1: How 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 does it work out there? Yeah, both of those are uh, are definitely there. Um, I have a lot of friends that, I mean, that will go out and do big time, like session gigs, but then they also have these little um, comfortable bar gigs that they do every single week. Um, And I've noticed that that's definitely a thing that a lot of the musicians over here do. Like they just they have these. Fairly comfortable. Um, uh, what's it called when you go and play there again and again? A residency. Yeah, residency. Yeah, they, thank you. They have all these residencies happening, um, and they get paid for it. Yeah, uh, I. Not always. I think will there be loads of people? I'm not sure. But I mean, it's a bar situation, so there's obviously folks there, and 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 that kind of thing. Personally, I don't really seek out that kind of thing. So. Um, so, so yeah, I, I don't have that much hands-on experience with that kind of thing. But
2: um, <clears> Do you, um, you notice, I, if I could interject real quick, do you notice in terms of, like, um, we're talking about bands, but then we're also talking about this idea of uh, a, a solo person like Joe, almost mm-hmm. like a singer-songwriter type of thing. Um, yeah. Is there more of a demand one way that you see uh, towards bands or singer-songwriter or
1: uh i mean i know people that that are i know both types you know i know a guitarist that goes out and does a lot of solo uh shows you know he knows a million songs and has great arrangements and Mm -hmm. and whatnot i mean i i i have actually done i've done some you know in the last few years i've done a few like um you know well-paid like solo type of things um you know where i I say well-paid not to um Frank, but just to say that I did them, you know, kind of more for the for the money. Basically. Right. Right. No, mean, no, no. So. You know, understandably, you know, I just like money gigs, basically, you know. Um And so those definitely happen, you know, that people will want a guy in the corner to play some nice music and then they'll pay well for that. Yeah. Uh, those those definitely happen. And and. and um. But yeah, the, the band scene there's tons of bands like. 3 days ago somebody called me up to ask uh cuz I'm touring slightly less right now than I uh, have been and and you know previously I'm I'm focusing a lot on creating and making music right now so uh so he called me up and said well now that you're not touring you know do you want to do you want to join this band that goes out and does all these gigs you know um and uh and I, I you know, to make a long story short, I said no because it's not really my scene um, to to um, play like you know, like covers and stuff like that. Uh, right, right. That's that's not my my uh, gig, but um, but there are a lot of people doing that, and uh, a lot of people do pretty great from it. You know, like uh, I have a friend who goes down and plays at Disneyland uh, like twice a week or something like that, and mm. you know, they make
0: they make good money from that. Right. So. See, playing in like a, um, like they do that at Busch Gardens in Williamsburg, Virginia, where they actually have like, like written out, like people have their charts in front of them and they're like wearing costumes and it's part of the, they're paid as park employees, but it's like a major part of the park is professional right. music, like orchestral almost. Right, right. So they have a Disneyland?
1: Uh, I, I guess. Uh, I, I haven't been as much as I probably should have um so i'm i'm not entirely sure
0: um so surprise your kids with a or you know <laughs> say it's for the kids but really it's for maybe yeah. for you too <laughs> <Let's>
1: yeah <see. laughs> no I, yeah i i um i should actually uh explore it more i uh i have not been um really down there all that much so i've been to anaheim obviously mm-hmm. uh, to to nam so many times and i always see it and go yeah I, I
0: should uh, I should check this out, but oh, yeah, oh, I'd love to go to Nam. We've talked about that, like trying to, Aaron and I trying to get to Nam. Yeah, we it's definitely just, need to. Yeah, Yeah,
1: yeah, that would be that would be great to uh, to meet you guys that way at, at Nam. That's a that's a good forum, and uh, yeah, you could meet you know a, a, <clears throat> a lot of potential guests as well. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, it's, that's the, obviously the I mean. It's obvious, but yeah, it's the, one of the great things about NAM. Obviously, is that everybody is, is there. It's everybody within this field of ours, you <laughs> yeah. know. Um, have you ever considered summer NAM or? Oh
0: yes, that's the one in Nashville. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's pretty soon as well. I think.
0: Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we scheduling is <laughs> difficult. We're gonna make this happen sometime. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, this year's brutal. Hmm, Nam 2020, not
2: a bad idea, Joe. And that is where we're going to leave it for today. I can't tell you how much fun I've had with this conversation. What a good time. And I can't wait for you to hear next week. It's it's awesome. What a good guest. Uh, I definitely suggest that you go and check out his YouTube channel, Uh, As Joe was talking about at the beginning, the uh, Bruno Mars one is quite enjoyable to watch. So, yeah, by all means, check out Quistorama.com and enjoy all that he has for your pleasure. Yeah. Great guest. Can't wait for you to hear part two next Thursday. In addition, hey, by all means, if you're enjoying all of the material from Fret Buzz, the podcast, man, we've covered a lot of stuff. By all means, jump on over to iTunes, do all the usual, give us a review. And more importantly, when you get the chance, reach out to me at Aaron at fretbuzzthepodcast.com. I know you're listening, and I thank you so very much. (laughs) Um, I'd love to be able to put a name and a face with who you are. Uh, Send me your questions. Send me comments. Uh, I'm really interested in the kind of concepts for people, things that maybe are a little unclear, whether that's, oh, I don't know, recording, tone, amplification, how things work, maybe that's finding jobs or school questions or certain professionals within the musical field, anything, things that you guys have questions on. Maybe it's a technique or theory questions. Send them my way, and I'd love to be able to dig into them uh, with you. That'd be great. So, yeah, Aaron at fretbuzzthepodcast.com. And with that, I think that's where I'm going to stop. So, join me next Thursday for part two with Quist as we jump into more of an amazing conversation on Fret Buzz, the podcast.